What's going on, all my Spotify members, Anchor members, uh, Apple Podcast listeners? I'm going to go ahead and do a a uh, smoke session. I uh, usually make my podcasts late at night when I get home from work. And I very well might do that. Uh, but I just had to make this one in... Uh, talk about this stuff before I forget about it. Okay, so I uh, was watching a documentary about Elon Musk and how he got to the greatness that he is today, pretty much. And he talked about how he was bullied as a kid at school, he didn't have any friends, you know, he became, uh, it was really hard for him to make friends, for him to have a social life, you know, and he's admitted that he's got Asperger's Syndrome, and this, this really hits close to home with me, I mean, this really does, so, first we're gonna smoke some weed, but, it's a really, really sad, sad story. I think it's sad, mostly sad to me because I'm living it pretty much, but I'm going to smoke some weed here, get this, this show rolling. I'm going to end up uh, taking a little nap before I have to be back up to go to work, so... Like I said, I might, uh, hold on a minute. Alright, back into this podcast session. That was my mother that called me and interrupted. (coughs) She just wanted to check up on me, I guess. Uh, Anyways, I have to get back to talking about this, this Elon Musk thing. This shit is just... Sad. So fucking sad, man. It's really, really a sad story. I wish I could post a link on here for people to actually watch it, but I don't know. I watched it on a video on Facebook somewhere uh, on the girlfriends that used to date him, his ex-wives and shit in the past that have, you know, they've all come together and correlated this video and they showed clips of him, you know, going through a... some of his counseling and shit, some of his interviews and shit, it's really sad, so, and, uh, you know, it's even more sad that somebody that has all that power and all that money and everything and the notoriety can still be so miserable, you know, just be so low, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's still my idol. Well, he's not an idol of mine, but I still think he's a good guy. Uh, I think we all have our trials and tribulations in life, and we're all tested in different ways in life. But anyways, let's just get down to it. So him growing up, he never really knew why he couldn't make any fucking friends. He'd go to school and... Kids would uh, follow him home and throw soda cans at the back of his head and shit. You know, uh, this is what he says. This is straight from his mouth. So, uh, anywho, he didn't make any friends. It was really hard for him to have a social uh, life whatsoever. And me looking back at my life, you know, I didn't have any friends in high school either. I didn't have any friends in middle school really. Uh, I didn't date throughout high school, you know. Uh, I kind of dated in uh, middle school a little bit, but after I got to high school, I just, I was a loner, you know. I wanted to be away from everybody. I didn't want to fucking, I didn't want any friends, you know. And, uh, you know, growing up, I didn't know what the fuck Asperger's syndrome was, or what being an introvert meant, I just knew I didn't like being around people, 
you know, uh, and part of it was me was because I got bullied, made fun of, picked on, and shit like that. But the second reason why I wanted to be to stay alone and not make any friends is because if I stayed alone. I keep life pretty simple, you know, I don't have to worry about pleasing anybody, I don't have to worry about holding on to friendships, uh, I don't have to worry about sticking up for Billy, you know, so that's why I didn't want friends, you know, the less that I, the least amount of friends that I have to deal with, the easier life's going to be, in my opinion, at the time, you know, so, I'm saying it's just so complicated to have friends, you know, you gotta fucking, you know, uh, invite them over for dinner, or play video games with them, maybe you just wanna fucking lay around that day and not do nothing, and then you gotta, you know, make sure you're nice, and, you know, I mean, uh, heaven forbid you guys get into an argument, you have a falling out, such and such wants to, you know, Bobby wants to fuck your sister or your your girlfriend and you get pissed off about it and, yeah, it's just too much work to hold on to friendships, you know, and you have to entertain them in order for them to entertain you and it's like you have to do this in order to get that, you know, so that's why friendships just weren't appealing to me as a kid. I'd rather just sit at home and build with Legos or play my own video games by myself or ride my bike, you know, around the neighborhood by myself and just think about shit or, you know, I might stop over and see one friend or two or whatever here and there. But, uh, that was whenever I'd get bored of myself. <laughs> but no, man, I, I just... <clears throat> it really hits close to home with me. Uh, and basically, he was, he was at a point in life where he was uh, having really bad... He had got married and he had really bad time with uh, his ex-wife you know she wanted to control him she wanted him to do this and get counseling and because uh, she thought that he was being ruined by uh, she felt like his job was ruining him and he was talking about going and getting another job. He was he was working two jobs at the time. And she just wanted him to be a stay-at-home dad, you know, and he couldn't. You know, he was the only one working. He was the only one. And there's other traumatic events that happened in his life. Uh, like the death of his kid. He had a child that I guess was like not born yet it was a miscarry or something but its name was uh, Nevada Alexandra Nevada Alexander sorry and uh, never made it so that kind of fucked with him a little bit and instead of you know mourning they said he just kept working and kept working and kept working And it was really crazy because in an interview he said, you know, the reason why I do this is because me not doing this is like saying, how are you going to feed your kids? And pretty much it was his way of saying, this is, I got into this because this job was meant to feed Nevada Alexander, is basically what he was saying. I did this. For my kid, for my wife, I did this to take care of that kid, and he ended up passing on, was basically what he was saying. And he started breaking down into tears. He started breaking down into tears and said, can we just not talk about that? 
and um, it really kind of not not just that, not just the fact that he lost a kid, but uh, they used to go to Burning Man. They used to go to a Burning Man festival every year, and his ex-wife said that uh, after her child had passed on or whatever, they used to have this ritual at the, at the cave. They had this uh, certain cave, I do believe. I don't know if it's just a memorial or if they had buried uh, them there. I'm pretty sure you can't bury anybody there because it's part of the Black Rocks uh, State Park, I do believe. I think that's what they call it. Black Sands or Black Rock State Park uh, is where the Burning Man is actually held at. So, uh, anyways, they would, they would set off this uh, display, and it was a something that they catch on fire you know they build these things out of wood and then they catch them on fire and it kind of sim symbolizes uh, like a phoenix being born or something like that in her opinion you know so after the five, first five or six years you know it was really uh, soothing for her to go and do that and whenever they had went to this Burning Man festival, he had met this other girl, which is who he's with now, the young-looking girl, she looks like she's 18, she looks like she's 15, honestly, she looks young as hell, she's got all these weird scars all over her back, like she's taken a razor blade and had somebody carve all these weird alien designs and shit and geometric shapes into her back, really fucked up, really weird, really kind of made my stomach turn a little bit, but... Uh, anyways, he decides to get with this girl because when she was a kid, she was bullied and shit a lot. She lived the same life that he did, pretty much. She'd go to, she'd go to school, she'd get bullied, she'd get picked on, she didn't know how to make any friends. So she ended up taking that energy and turning it into, uh, her being more unique and her being more one of a kind, and, uh, you know, she'd wear green hair that was dyed, and she'd, uh, you know, wear the goth chains and chokers and shit around her neck, and, you know, just really a weird individual, really unique, she's kind of like her own person, you know, so, that kind of attracted Elon Musk, because he's like, okay, she's weird, I'm weird, we could just get together and, you know, something just kind of clashed with them. Something that just meshed together, you know. I don't know. It's a weird couple. They're a weird couple. I mean, anybody that's looks like he's 40 dating a 15-year-old, you know, that's pretty creepy. So, in my opinion... They say age is nothing but a number, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know. It just looks creepy to me. It looks like a pedophile. Seriously. And he, Elon Musk had made a little jab at somebody recently calling him a pedophile. And I'm thinking, dude, you don't have any room to talk. You're dating a girl that's 15 years old. But anyways... Back to the sad story. Uh, yeah, it, it really made me wonder about life in general and uh, where, where it can take you in the next 20 years and how somebody who thinks that they'll never be anything, they'll never make any friends, they're never going to get out of this hole, you know, that they're stuck in. There's still hope out there. There's still, there's, there's still hope, you know, this isn't the end of the world, and I think a lot more kids need to 
hear that nowadays. I think the suicide rate has risen. I don't know. I think it's risen like three times more than what it used to be whenever I was a kid. I think is what they said. Uh, there's definitely more kids calling suicide hotlines. Suicide prevention lines. They said that number has tripled. Uh, so, I mean, <clears throat> there's three times more people thinking about suicide. Whether they actually do it or not, it's whatever, but that kind of says something. Uh, I think people need to just be able to sit down and talk to some of these kids that don't have a father in their life, that don't have their parents, you know, might have died in a car crash and they're living with their grandma, you know, and they like to escape away from their grandma and grandpa every day to go hang out with younger people, to get advice, to, to find a mentor, to find friends, you know. But they can't because they've got Asperger's Syndrome. And I just want to break it down to you really simply on what it's like to have Asperger's Syndrome the easiest way that I can. Um, it's really hard to make eye contact with people. Unless it's somebody that you've known your whole life and you've grown up with them or you're really close to them. You can trust them. Like my mom, my sisters, you know, family like that. I can look in the eyes. But when I'm just walking up to random people on the street or trying to hold a conversation with my boss at work, for example, or, you know, trying to uh, flirt with a, with a girl or whatever, it's really awkward for me a lot of times just to just to look him in the eye you know I mean I don't even you don't even have to really say anything uh, it's just a certain feeling it's just and they're not really feeling it but you know deep down in your mind and your heart your body you're feeling this this feeling you know this awkward feeling that maybe they're staring at you the, the wrong way or maybe they're paying too much attention to uh, a mole that you have on your face or maybe your teeth or uh, maybe they're paying too much attention to your bad habits like you just you're smoking a cigarette and you see them looking at you smoking the cigarette and then you you like it magnifies like a hundred times more so if somebody is looking at you it seems like they're staring at you, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and it just feels like, kind of like paranoia, like everybody's around, everybody that's around is watching you, you know, and they're paying attention to every single little thing that you do. It's kind of what it feels like, except with speech and everything else mixed in with it. So it's very, very, very hard to make friends and the only way to battle this is to just deal with it head-on there's no cure or a magic pill you can take to to fix it going to a psychologist isn't gonna fix it but the easiest way to fix it is just to deal with it and get out in public start meeting new people start looking them in the eyes when you talk to them um, connect a little bit better you know you really got to clean off those connections and get that you know it's like a wall outlet if it doesn't have a good connection it's not gonna work right you know you got to clean those connections polish them up stick them back in the hole and get things going again you know I mean recharge those social batteries <laughs> No, it, it's, uh, it's really hard. I mean, and I didn't even know that I had this until uh, probably within a couple of years ago. So here I am in my 30s, and I'm just finding out that I have it. You know, and that's the way that everybody says it happens. They don't figure it out till they're like a quarter of the way, the way through their lives. And, um, 
you know, it's it's really weird. It's just really weird how a, a certain disease or a syndrome or whatever, a mental illness, whatever you want to call it, can hinder somebody so badly that uh, there's there's two different types of people in the world. There's successful people and there's unsuccessful people. And this Asperger's syndrome can totally make it to where you're not successful. I mean, where not only do you not have any friends, but you don't have any, uh, you don't have a career, you don't have a purpose. You know, it could really ruin somebody's life. I mean, it's really serious. So that's why it's hit so close to home to me because there's nobody knows how to stop it and nobody knows what causes it and a lot of people don't even know that they have it until they're 30 40 you know sometimes so um i've also found comfort in myself you know uh but i've done that my whole life It used to be when I was younger, like I said, I only liked being around myself. I didn't like even having the thought of even having friends. And, uh, because nobody interested me back then, for one. I was, I was so smart that, uh, everything that somebody said was just, like, not interesting to me. I didn't want to hear it. It was it was like a bunch of garbage and uh it didn't really mean anything to me and uh it's like sitting there listening to the teacher talk to you in class and you, you just daze off out into outer space and you hear garble 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 you know yada 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 so, I mean, unless somebody could hold a really good conversation with me, and unless it was actually a conversation worth a fuck of having, maybe it was interesting, you know, maybe it caught my mind, or maybe they caught my mind as a person, then I didn't want nothing to do with you, you know, I, that's the best way to put it. Uh, I tell people all the time, yeah, I'll come hang out with you on such and such date, and I would just never show up. I would just stay at home and wouldn't go out. And uh, I don't know what time I had to switch back around. Because like I said, I was like this all the way up until the end of high school. I can remember my sophomore year of dropping out, and I was still uh, an introvert. I didn't want to talk to anybody. So I do believe... <clears throat> it was after, oh, I would say, started getting a little bit better after, I would say after I was 18, but then I hit a real big depression rut because when I turned 21, I didn't have very many friends still, and I wanted to get out to the party scene, I wanted to go out with my friends and have drinks and, and do stuff that 21 year olds do, <laughs> and didn't have uh, very many friends, so that kind of got me depressed again, and I probably lived a depressed life from then on until... Oh, man. Probably... Oh, I'd say I really dug myself out of the depression rut, like... A year ago. Maybe. I'd say a year ago. Close to two years ago. But, anywho, think about it, you know. 21 all the way until uh, 29 uh, even is a long time that's 8 whole years of being depressed so 
but I had I had to deal with it, you know, my own way. And it was the best medicine to deal with something is to just deal with it, you know, I mean just uh rip the band-aid off, get it over with. Just deal with it the best way that you can and uh move forward. And that was what it really taught me in life was how to just deal with shit. You can't really affect, you can't really change what happens to you in life, you know, but you can change the way and how you deal with it. And even still to this day, I get in depression ruts and uh, I don't know how to deal with shit, you know, but I've gotten so good at it that it doesn't take long for me to figure it out, I guess. That's what it seems to me anyways. The more simple that you can live, the more simple you can keep your life, the more simple your mind will be. You know, I mean, I don't know how hard it is to preach that to people, but it's pretty fucking hard, because nobody really understands. When you, you, you gotta really break it down. You gotta really sit there and think, how can I make my life better? How can I make it, uh, worth living, you know, and, uh, I'd like to say that at a certain point in life, you're like, fuck everybody, I don't need any friends, eventually, I think that's what I did, you know, fuck everybody, I don't need any friends, I don't want any friends, but if friends come along, great, that's pretty much how I felt, that's still how I feel, so, But, um, I think it really makes you a unique individual. It really makes you more stronger, more powerful. It makes you more creative. It makes you more, uh, makes your skin tougher. You know, I mean, people can say shit about you. It doesn't really get to you anymore or, you know, things that used to bother you that used to depress you, doesn't really get to you anymore. Uh, and you just find out the best way to live your life uh, and make it actually worth living. Because, you, you know, I mean, people that are depressed, they're like, or like uh, living one day to the next. Or like fucking, I hate this. I hate my life. I hate this fucking stupid house that I'm fucking in right now. I hate my fucking friends and my family. And I hate my fucking teacher and I fucking hate myself. And you know, they don't they don't have anything worth living for. They just fucking hate everything. You know. People are depressed. But people like Elon Musk, the reason why he became so uh, adamant on this whole SpaceX thing was because it really interested him to go and visit another planet, maybe, in his lifetime. Instead of living on this same boring fucking planet, same one that everybody's known for millions of years. Let's go and fucking finally live on another one. You know, let's make this a little bit more interesting here. Uh, so that's kind of how he came up with the idea. And just whenever people thought he was a nerd, he was a nobody. He was he was a fucking lame. He was. Somebody who was socially awkward. And, yeah, he ended up coming out on top eventually. You know, there's not a magic booklet that you get in life that tells you when you're going to be successful or how long it's going to take or, you know. 
Um, yeah, one person might get success in a couple years really quickly, and somebody it might take 10 or 20 years to finally get successful. So, I just think it's really sad that so many people, especially teenagers and shit, <clears throat> end up killing themselves over this shit. Just thinking about it, you know, because their brain can't handle it and their heart can't handle it. And in the interview with Elon Musk, he was even, he was older. He wasn't a teenager, but they asked him, why don't you want to, why can't you do this, uh, work this job anymore? Why can't you balance working this job with, you know, and he said, well, because it hurts my brain and it hurts my heart. So, you know, that in itself, not only was his purpose for that company to feed his uh, kid that never made it, but um, uh, he didn't want to live this life because he says it hurts his brain and it hurts his heart. You know, and when he said that, he meant that it hurts his brain to sit here and think about why he doesn't have any friends. But it also hurts his heart. You know, I mean, it's really hard to sit here and think about why you're a loner. Why you don't have any friends. And uh, some people can't handle that. So It's just, just too much for them. It's just, it, I mean, it is sad. You know, maybe that's why it's too much for him, because it's just too much of an emotional load for them, maybe. But people are, are uh, out there that are stronger than that, that have actually lived through this. It, it's pretty close to being, to having like PTSD, I would say. Because it is a traumatic event. You know, your whole life has been a traumatic event. It's really stressful on you. And it's really traumatic to sit here and think about all the depressing things in your life that's got you to where you're at right now. And then that makes you even more depressed. You're like, fuck, man. Not only have I not done anything in 20 years, but... I'm not going to fucking be able to do anything in the next 20 years. I'm just going to off myself, you know. You definitely still have depression. Even when, when you think that you, you've made it to the other side and you're not depressed anymore, the fucking depression just comes back and smacks you in the face. It's really fucking hard to deal with. And it's not because you have uh, mental illness... It's because you went through some fucking crazy shit. You know, your brain has went through some crazy shit. And it's stressful and it's traumatic. It has nothing to do with uh, you were born different, your brain is different, you have a mental illness. Like all these doctors tell you and shit. And they try and fucking dope you up with Adderall or Ritalin or whatever. And you're fucking all methed out of your mind. You know, that's, that's wrong. And we gotta, we gotta wake up and start really getting a grasp on what mental illness is and how to fix it. Because everybody always talks about mental illness awareness and blah, 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 mental health awareness. But nobody knows how to fucking fix it. All these fucking quack doctors, these psychologists that are just getting paid by the state to fucking write you scripts to keep you coming back for more. It's fucking crazy. And it doesn't fix them. Like I said, the people are still crazy. They keep coming back for more to get more drugs, to get more drugs, to get more drugs. It keeps them in business, so... But they're not fixing their mental illness, quote-unquote. <clears throat> people need to stop thinking about people needing to be fixed, quote-unquote. Let's... 
help fix your mental illness or let's help you battle your, you know, like something's wrong with them or something. People need to start just embracing yourself for who you are and start working with what you've got. Start working around it. I've got some pretty deep scars um, in my heart, uh, in my mind. I've got some really deep scars, but it's, it's up to me to look down at those scars and, and remind myself of uh, what I've been through and uh, not to go back to that. And uh, I think that's what makes the stronger the strongest and the weaker the weakest. It's really, really hard to to, uh, to talk about. It's really hard to talk about, but uh, and when I say really hard, I mean it's extremely hard. But I think that this is the steps that we need to take for people to become aware of quote unquote mental health health awareness and uh, you know realize that some of the some of the shit that you say and do to others does have an impact on people's lives and um, they've got their own shit to deal with in their life, whether it's because they have Asperger's or whether it's just they have a mom and a dad that's abusive to each other at home or whatever, they've got their own fucking problems, man, you know, I know it's all fun and games at the time and whatnot, but I think this is what we need to be preaching to kids and shit too nowadays, and that it's okay to have problems in life, whether it's mental problems that you have to deal with, or whether it's problems with everyday life that you're going to have to deal with as an adult, you're just going to have to deal with them, you know, in the best way possible. You can't just sit there and give up, and you can't sit there and cry about it, that's not going to get you anywhere. So I think it really makes you stronger, and I think, like I said, we need to be talking to younger kids about this shit to to kind of prevent them from committing suicide at least, but to try and promote for them to have a better life, you know, because like I said, everybody's going to have problems, no matter if you're a healthy individual, you don't have any background of mental illness or any depression issues. You know, depression can just come out of nowhere. It used to be back in the old days where there wasn't as many cases of depression, it seemed. It seemed like everybody was happy, everybody was outgoing, they used to go dancing and shit. Everybody got along. You know, uh, Life was about having a social life. You know, they didn't have Facebook and shit back in the 50s. They didn't have all that. They didn't have a cell phone to go talking to your friends on. So you had to go meet them out at the fucking ballroom dance or uh, the bowling alley or, you know, but you actually got out and lived your life for other people. You know, I mean... A lot of people in the 50s invited people over for dinner, you know, maybe another family. Uh, they don't do that anymore. You never hear about one family inviting another family over for dinner. I mean, it just doesn't fucking happen. Especially the whole family. Like, you might have, you know, some girl that's got a boyfriend and they'll have him over for dinner. But it wasn't like... Oh, 12 people at this table and 12 people over at this table like it used to be back in the old days. They used to have really big uh, dinners and shit. Like feasts and shit. One family would bring half the shit. The other family would bring half the other shit. and 
just doesn't fucking happen anymore. It's kind of like the, uh, the, uh, movie theaters and shit. Those are kind of dying off. You know, like, used to be that take your date out to the, uh, movies. Uh, and at a certain time, in like the 1950s, and shit like that, they didn't have DVD players back then. Uh, so yeah, you had to take them to the fucking movies. You know, there was no other option, but you had to get dressed real nice, you had to get out of the house, you know, put on your fresh cologne and all that shit, drive that fancy nice new uh, car over there and pick her up. Times are just different, times are crazy and uh we're really losing track of ourselves slowly but surely it's like we're becoming little robots to the government and shit but we're forgetting what it's actually like to be a society to live for other people around us you know we're not living for each other we're not uh very neighborly people anymore you know i mean used to be when your neighbor you, you're new to the neighborhood your neighbor would bring you like a pie or a fucking cake or i think that's kind of strange nowadays if somebody was to show up with a cake i would think that it's probably fucking poisoned or it's a bomb or something you know <laughs> but it it used to be the norm it used to be the fucking norm you know and uh, like i said I think we're losing track of ourselves. We're living for a completely, totally wrong reason. We're not living for ourselves. So, the more that you can live for yourself and not give a fuck about what's going on around you, you you know, you hear about shit in the news and you're like, oh, okay. But, there's other people that they hear something going on in Los Angeles and they're, oh my god, there's people stealing and looting from Los Angeles. Well, I don't live in Los Angeles, so I could really care less. You know what I mean? That's how I think about shit. You know, there's news going on about how businesses in New Jersey has a tax hike that's the highest in the nation. Well, it's a good thing I don't fucking live in Jersey. You know, that's not news to me. So, uh, <laughs> smoke a little bit more here. I never knew that uh, Elon Musk had Asperger syndrome. I never knew that until today. But I also never knew that there's many other people that have Asperger syndrome. Famous people. <coughs> um. Uh. I guess Andy Warhol had Asperger's Syndrome. Uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins has Asperger's Syndrome. Uh, Dan Aykroyd that plays in Ghostbusters, he has it. Uh, who else? There's more people. Those are just seven of the most famous people. Uh, Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld. He, uh, he says that he has it even though all of his cohorts and shit say, no you don't. I think he does. I think he has a touch of it. You know, every Asperger person is different. There's no one person is the same when it comes to Every single person that has Asperger's Syndrome is different from the next. That's what makes them so unique. There's no specific traits that you get whenever you uh, get Asperger's Syndrome. So, some of them can be positive traits, some of them can be negative traits. But, like I said, it's not just the same traits for... Uh, who else? Uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton has uh, 
Asperger's. Bill Gates uh, is thought to have Asperger's syndrome because he tends to avoid eye contact and he uses short monotone speech patterns. Uh, so he's probably autistic in a, in a way. Uh, Dan Harmon is another one. Courtney Love. Uh, Courtney Love just fucked up on all the drugs that she took whenever she was... <laughs> um, let's find some other people. Adam Young from Owl City. I guess it's a band. Never heard of him, but... Who else? Who else? Uh, it, it's rumored that Eminem has Asperger's. It's never really been diagnosed with it, but... Um... Robin Williams was thought to have Asperger's Syndrome. I don't believe that's true. It's just rumored, but... Uh, they said that Michael Jackson had Asperger's, which, again... I mean, if you, if you look back to the way that he lived, he was always hiding from the spotlight whenever he wasn't on the road. And he did avoid eye contact, and he kind of talked a little low, and... You know, so that's possible. Uh, uh, there's a lot of, uh, people out there, uh, Woody Allen is rumored to, to, uh, have Asperger's Syndrome, uh, The list goes on and on. Uh, <laughs> uh, they got rumors that uh, Keith has Asperger's, that uh, Lil B, the rapper is uh, rumored to have Asperger's Syndrome. Uh, who else? Travis Meeks, which is a musician. Uh, who else? Who else? Oh, I mean, the point is, uh, <laughs> the guy that made a, that was a, that was the, the guy who illustrated Peanuts comic strip, Charles Schultz, he was a cartoonist. <clears throat> he was rumored to have it, but it was never proven, you know, back in the day. They never even knew what the fuck Asperger's was, you know. Back then. So, anywho, I just, I just figured I'd get on here and make another podcast about this because it was really fresh in my mind. And it was just something that I thought needed to be talked about, like, now. I didn't feel like covering it later on. And I'm really kind of glad that I didn't cover it later on, because I was... It really kind of gets to me, you know? It makes me really emotional whenever I think about my life sometimes, and some of the shit that's happened, and... and uh, if 
how fucked up my childhood and my life really was. Uh, don't get me wrong, a lot of good things happened in my childhood as well, but, you know, if, if people only truly knew the whole story, uh, it, it would make a great movie. Let's just put it that way. I've always said that, so... Maybe, someday, <laughs> it will be a movie. But, for now, I'm going to end up going back to sleep for a little bit, waking back up, and, um going to continue to add more chapters to this movie. I'll probably end up coming home and making another podcast later on tonight. After work. But, uh... Yeah, I, uh... Just wanted to make this one for now. So... I had a really good time last night with my, uh... Sister and... Her uh, husband went over there, we drank some beers together, I took some hot dog buns over there for her because my mother wouldn't get out to go do it. So I went over there and took her buns and uh, drank with them and stuff, ate a couple cheeseburgers that I brought home with me from there and uh, they were delicious. They were delicious. For being plain cheeseburgers. I didn't have any ketchup or mustard on them at all. I just had the buns and the and the meat on it and the cheese. And I was so tipsy that I did not even care. And it was the best burger that I've ever tasted in my life. It's really good. Took it out of the foil. Put those... Like I said, on uh, two pieces of bread, put them in the microwave, warmed it up for about, I don't know, a minute, something like that. It's really good. <laughs> Tasty. I really need to get a little small portable grill that I can use. A little tabletop grill. You know, that's what I need. But, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast right here. I'm going to smoke a little bit more weed, and I'm going to go back to sleep. So, until later, don't just have a good day, America. Have a great day.